Well, good morning, everyone. It is great to be with you. Welcome to everyone joining us online and in Cambridge and Leicester, and to those joining in the room. Great to be sharing with you, continuing this series on the Sermon on the Mount. I want to start with a question this morning. I wonder how many of you have done or know someone who has done the Duke of Edinburgh Award. Anyone? I did the gold in sick form. I thought that would look good to universities. I was right. Um, and I did it. But I can tell you, the gold, the gold Duke of Edinburgh Award, it's quite an ordeal. It's quite an ordeal. They, uh, for the expedition, they dump you in a field in the middle of nowhere and expect you to survive. As teenagers, I was about 17 at this point, uh, with a group of friends, 17 years old, in a field for four days. You're supposed to survive and walk long ways with just what you remember to put in your backpack, which I'm quite forgetful sometimes. So, you know, the fact I'm still here today is a miracle. So that was hard. There's the volunteering, you have to learn a skill, and you do some sort of physical exercise on the Duke of Edinburgh Award. And I learned a lot. I learned loads. I learned that I am appalling at admin. I'm so bad at admin. Anyone else bad at admin? Thank you, I'm not alone. Um, you have to record everything you do for the, to get the award, and that was the hardest bit of it, was keeping a record. Um, but the, I also learned a lot uh, in the other areas. I learned the most in the volunteering. I learned the most in the volunteering. I volunteered with my church, and we had a community venue based in a fairly poor part of the city of Lincoln. Uh, we had a food bank collection point, a community cafe, and a charity shop. And I volunteered there, and I got to meet people, all sorts of different people, but particularly people who were in need, people who came to the community venue to have needs met. Maybe they came to pick up a food bank parcel or to buy some clothes from the charity shop for their family. And as I met these people, I realized, I learned so much about what it is like to, to be in need, to be poor. I learned that it's much more than just lack of money. It also usually involves shame and social exclusion. And it's also so chaotic and stressful to be trying to make it through to the end of the week. I learned that these people were just ordinary people, who many of whom never expected to end up, end up using the food bank. And I learned that there was just something in me that wanted to help these people um, that I wanted to learn more about. So I went to the Bible, and I wanted to know what the Bible had to say about caring for the poor. And I'd never noticed before this just how often the Bible talks about caring for those in need. Like, so much. Throughout the Old and New Testament, we see again and again a God who cares for the poor, cares for those in need, and expects his people to do something about their needs. It's all throughout the Bible. And so I, I did some more research on this. I read some really helpful books. If you'd like to read more, um, these two books I really recommend, Tim Chester, Good News for the Poor, and um, Tim Keller, Generous Justice. They're really helpful. Because the exciting truth is that God is calling us all on this adventure of faith. And that includes caring for those in need. It includes seeing needs around us and finding ways to meet them. We get to make a difference in the lives of everyone around us, especially the poor. The early church had a reputation for it. Jesus clearly did it. And now, Kingsgate, it is our turn. So I'm glad to be here with you today to share what I've been learning in this whole area. Last week, last week, we looked at three below-the-waterline hidden activities that we as Christians are called to do in the Sermon on the Mount. We're called to prayer, fasting, and today we're going to zoom in on giving to those in need. So let's read our passage for today. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose your reward from your Father in heaven. 
When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing their trumpets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your father, who sees everything, will reward you. So we're going to look today at the who, the why, and the how from this passage. So firstly, who are those in need? I'm sure you'll agree there's no shortage of needs in the world around us, right? I received the other day um, two charity collection bags through my letterbox within an hour of each other. One was for a veterans charity, another for a children cancer charity. You just have to turn on the news to see that there is so much need in the world. So when Jesus said, give to those in need, who did he mean? Well, Jesus was addressing a Jewish audience who had grown up with the Old Testament And throughout the Old Testament, God gave instructions to his people to care for those in need. And he specified the financially poor, widows and immigrants, and, and orphans. Today, there are still people in the world who are financially poor. In the UK, one in five people are in poverty. And they estimate that during the pandemic, that number of people increased in poverty from up by 700,000. In this season of increasing need and increasing cost of living, more and more people are having to choose between putting food on their table and filling up their cars and heating their homes. People in our cities are struggling to feed their children and people in our neighbourhoods don't know where their next meal is coming from. There will be people in all our campuses who are facing financial hardship. If that is you, then please know that you are not alone And can I encourage you to visit the website uh, at kingsgate.church forward slash help or to speak to your life group leader who will know what help is available. But even with the current crisis in the UK, we are still better off than many countries around the world. There are places where clean water is a luxury and whole villages are struggling to eat. As a church, we partner with uh, Belembu and Eswatini where 60% of the population live on less than £1.50 a day. So those in need includes the financially poor globally and locally. But the Old Testament also lists widows, orphans and immigrants in the list of those people we're supposed to care for. The first two groups, widows and orphans, had lost their financial provider, their social protector and advocate. And immigrants had lost everything familiar to them. So all three of these groups were vulnerable to being taken advantage of. And that's why God lists them as people we're to specifically look after. Today, there are still people in the world who are vulnerable. This may still include widows, orphans, and immigrants, but it might also include the elderly or the sick, people in financial hardship, and others. So when Jesus talks about giving to those in need, he means the poor, but he also means vulnerable groups. So now let's look at why should we give. I wonder if you've ever done anything good, but for the wrong reasons. I, um, when I was in year 11, had this experience. We were doing at school a, um, a drive to, for shoe, the shoebox appeal. I don't know if you've come across that. It's where you fill a shoebox with gifts to send abroad at Christmas to children around the world. And I was asked to lead my class's participation in this project. And the teacher who was leading the project had said something like, let's see which class can get the most boxes or fill the most boxes. Now, me being highly competitive took that as a challenge. Right, my class is definitely going to get the most boxes. And I pestered and pestered my classmates, and we actually did very well. We got 19 boxes in total, um, which was more than all the other classes put together. We won the competition. Yay! But the whole time I was doing this, 
I didn't think once about where the boxes were going and the children that they were going to or why I was doing it. All I thought about was winning that competition. I had the wrong motivation. Jesus speaks about motivation in our passage today. When you give to someone in need, he says, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. Note here, Jesus says, when you give, not if you give. When you give, not if you give. He expects his followers to give to those in need. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus without giving. Not only is giving expected, he also wants us to do it with the right motivation. Jesus paints a picture of someone heading to the synagogue, blowing a trumpet, blowing, literally blowing their own trumpet as they want to draw attention to the fact they're going there to give. Or getting out their trumpet and getting everyone's attention as they're just about to hand a coin to a beggar in the streets. They love to hear people say, wow, you are such a good person. It makes them feel good. Or today we might, be said, we might say that they are virtue signaling. Or they might post pictures on social media of them doing all their good deeds to get likes from other people. Jesus says we are not to have that as our motivation. Looking good to others is not to be our motivation. But then he goes even further. He says, when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Not only are we to hide our giving from others, we're to hide it from ourselves. We're not to let our left hand know what our right hand is doing. Or for those of you who are left-handed like me, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Got to include everyone. But this doesn't mean that we're to shut our eyes as we write out checks to charity or to only use one hand to get money out from our wallet as we give. This is actually about not getting proud of ourselves as we give. We're not to congratulate ourselves on how generous we've been this month or recall that time that we gave to charity to make ourselves feel good. Self-consciousness deteriorates into self-righteousness. We need to practice self-forgetfulness instead. So, our motivation must not be looking good to others or looking good to ourselves even. Instead, Jesus tells us, give your gifts in private and your Father who sees everything will reward you. The reason we give is because of our relationship with our Father. We looked last week at how prayer and fasting is to be Father-focused. Giving, likewise, is to be Father-focused. Here's three quick ways that we, can, we give because of our relationship with our Father. Firstly, we give to reflect his character. We give to be like our Father. Throughout the Bible, we see God's heart for those in need. And when we care for the poor by giving or working towards social justice, we are reflecting God's heart. We are being like our Father. Secondly, we give to pass on our Father's grace. We have received so much from our Father. He has given us forgiveness, freedom, hope, purpose, provision, all these things we didn't deserve, and he gave them anyway. That's called grace. So when we give to others, we are passing on God's grace. When we think about how much we have been blessed, well, of course we can pass that on to others. And thirdly, we give to see our Father's kingdom come. When Jesus came to earth, he initiated a new kingdom in which injustices are set right, the poor are raised up, and oppression is no more. And as his followers, we are invited to continue this work. We're invited to continue this work. Every time we give to the poor, work against injustices, we are bringing God's kingdom on the earth. 
We are bringing more of our Father's kingdom into other people's lives and seeing the expansion of his incredible kingdom. For me, understanding that giving to the poor and giving to those in need flows from my relationship to my Father, is part of my worship to my Father was so key and is so key. When I'm at food bank talking to clients as they come in and tell me their life story, I hear my Father say, I love this person. They are made in my image. Love them like I love them. Or maybe when we don't feel like giving it, it can be really good motivation. I've experienced this. I signed up earlier this year to help with a Beeson project, which is where we go to someone's home. We help them out practically with painting or gardening or cleaning. And the Sunday afternoon rolled around that I said I'd help, and I really didn't feel like helping. I was really tired. Um, But I felt God remind me of just how much he's done for me. And I felt, well, of course, I can go and give a few hours of my time after everything that God has done for me. And as it sunk in that I, Martha French, get to be a part of seeing God's kingdom come, I get to play a part in seeing his kingdom come on the earth, that has helped me to understand how I can bring about God's kingdom, to look for places where I can bring that kingdom advancement. One of those areas for me is climate justice. I want to see God's kingdom come in the way that I relate to his creation, in my consumption and my choices. But I also want to see the injustice corrected, that right now, in the world, the countries that are being most affected by climate change are the poorest and least worst equipped to deal with climate change. Whereas the countries, the wealthier countries, who probably have contributed more to climate change over the years, definitely have contributed the most, are being less affected by climate change. That's an injustice that I want to see corrected. I want to put money towards it and and do other things, raise awareness to see that injustice corrected and my Father's kingdom come. So, our motivation to give flows from our relationship with our Father. But what does this look like practically? Let's look now at how should we give. With so much need around us, where do we even start? Well, as a church family, we love to find ways to give together. 10% of everything you give to Kingsgate goes into our mission fund, which goes towards local projects such as our work with refugees, as well as our international partners like Belembu in Eswatini, which looks after over 350 orphaned children. As a church, we want to see immediate needs met in our neighbourhoods and in the nations. But we also want to go further upstream and and help people stop them coming into places of poverty and need in the first place to break those cycles of poverty. So when you give to Kingsgate, you are supporting these projects. But it's also important to think about how giving can be part of our individual lives. For some of you, tithing might already be a massive financial sacrifice. And there are other ways you can give if you can't give much financially. You can give of your time, your friendship, your skills. But for others of us, God is inviting to go beyond the tithe, to give into areas of need which he will be placing on our hearts. For me recently, I felt God placing on my heart the refugees in Cambridge. I met someone through the food bank, actually, who was the same age as me, lived on the same street as me, but her life experiences are harrowing. She came to this country um, from Syria a few years ago, and, and she's told me part, a small part of her story, and it's just heartbreaking to hear what she has had to go through. And now she's in this country having to use the food bank because she's having to learn English before she can get a job well paid enough to support her family. After meeting her, I felt God inviting me to learn more about refugees and find a way to help meet this need. God can use all sorts of ways to draw attention to what he wants you specifically to care about. 
It might be something you watch on TV or see on social media or something you keep thinking about. Have a look, like read around that issue. Have a think, God, where do you want me to serve? Find a way to be effective in that area. Maybe you're walking down the street and you see a big issue seller. I'd really recommend buying the big issue. Have a chat to that person. Ask them how their day is going. Find out about their life experience. In Kingsgate, you might hear about a project that you think, yeah, I could help with that. I could pick up some extra tins on my shopping this week and donate them to the food bank. I could give a bit of time to be a debt money mentor. Or maybe someone in your life group mentions that they have a need and God is inviting you to meet that need. I've heard some amazing stories of what life groups do in Kingsgate. I heard of one story where someone's, uh, someone wanted to send their child to youth camp and couldn't uh, cover the cost, and so the rest of the life group covered that cost for that person. In the New Testament, we see this beautiful picture of the church meeting one another's needs, of when someone had needs, someone else sold property and gave that money to meet that need. That is the beautiful picture of the church that we are in. We are supposed to be meeting one another's needs. The key to all this is being alert and available for God to speak to you. Ask him to show you where there are opportunities to reflect his character today, to highlight where he wants you to bring his kingdom. Each day we can pray, God, who do you want to bless through me today? Just think about how much impact we could have if each of us today fully grasped the mandate to care for those in need. What a difference we could make in our neighbourhoods if we started living this way, seeing needs and finding ways to meet them like our Father does. We get the reward of seeing lives transformed and we're also changed as we give. We become more like Jesus. We get free from the trap of materialism, of keeping all our money to ourselves. And if those rewards weren't enough, the Bible also promises us that whoever sows generously will also reap generously. My experience is that you cannot outgive God. We don't give to get, but we get to give. We have an incredible Father who we can trust to provide for us, who calls us to be meeting needs as part of our worship to Him. As we grow in our love for Him, we, our hearts will grow for the needs of those around us. As we ask him to come and and speak to us, our eyes will start to see the needs that we haven't seen before. And we'll get wisdom from our Father who has all wisdom to know how to meet those needs, how to make a difference, how to see lives transformed. We get to do this as part of our worship to him. So wherever you are, we're gonna respond now. Why don't you stand with me as we do this? Yeah. I want us to respond today by inviting our Father to come and do a fresh work in us, to remind us of all that He's done for us, and help us pass on that grace to others, to align us with His heart for the poor, to give us a passion for bringing His kingdom to those in need around us. So as I pray, why don't you put a hand on your heart as an indicator that we're ready for God to come and change our hearts. God, we thank you that we can call you Father. 
We thank you that everything flows from relationship with you. You've given us so much. Just take a minute now to just reflect on all that God has given you. Jesus, we want to take your word seriously. We want to live as a people who, ref who reflect our Father and meet needs. Would you come and make us into your likeness today? Would you come and stir our hearts to be moved with compassion as you were, Jesus? Would you help us to be alert to your promptings? Help us to be ready to give. Would you help us to be generous, joyful givers? Just want you to picture your neighborhood right now, wherever you are. That's somewhere in Peterborough, Cambridge, somewhere in the world, not even in the UK. Where's your neighborhood? God, give me a fresh heart for that neighborhood. Open my eyes to see need in my neighborhood. Yeah, and God, would you place areas of injustice on our hearts that you want us specifically to target in our prayer, target in our giving, target in our time? Just ask God to show you now an area of injustice he wants you to focus on. Maybe it's climate justice. Maybe it's human trafficking. Maybe it is food insecurity. Maybe it's refugees. God, would you point out the injustices that you want us to fight and would you equip us for that fight? Give us a vision of what it looks like to see change in that area. God, we thank you for the hope that one day all injustices will be corrected. Would you help us play a part in bringing that about, in bringing your kingdom? How can we give? God, you are good. You are good news. You are good news for the city of Peterborough. You are good news for the city of Cambridge. You are good news for the city of Leicester. You are good news for the UK. You are good. Would you help us to bring about your goodness in the world? Amen. Amen. Well, what better way to continue responding than singing about the goodness of our Father? So that's what we're going to do now. I'll hand over to the band to lead us in worship.